Chapter 1. Wayfair welcomes you to the Waberhood. Our hero, Titus Burgess, ambled down the stylish street of an enchanting utopia. A woman waved from a chic lounger. Welcome to the Waberhood, she said, where Wayfair helps everyone create a home they love. Titus stared in awe. Bohemian Boulevard, Trinsetter Terrace, Mid-Century Circle. Titus, hmm? you're reading the Wayfair catalog. Oh, you'll love Chapter 2. Wayfair's fast and free shipping saves a potluck. Wayfair, every style, every home. In order to support this show and keep providing you tons of free content week after week, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones that you actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little bit more about you to make that possible. So go to podsurvey.com slash she and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better so that we can bring on advertisers that you won't want to skip through. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. But again, that's P-O-D com slash she. Thanks for your help. Be a troublemaker and advocate for your body. I don't care if your doctor calls you a troublemaker. Like you have to because it's your life. And in some instances, your baby's life that's on the line when they're just being flippant and frivolous with your health. Woo! Dr. Brighton is bringing the fire today. Okay. In this conversation, you are about to be just lit up with information, empowerment, everything important when it comes to women's health, your hormones, advocating for yourself, all the things, okay? Let me tell you a little bit about our guest today, and then we're going to dig right in. So Dr. Jolene Brighton is a pioneer in women's medicine and award-winning naturopathic physician. She's also the author of Beyond the Pill and Healing Your Body Naturally After Childbirth a fierce patient advocate and completely dedicated to uncovering the root cause of hormonal imbalances, Dr. Brighton empowers women worldwide to take control of their health and their hormones. She's an international speaker, clinical educator, medical advisor within the tech community, and considered a leading authority on women's health. She's been featured in the New York Post, Forbes, Cosmopolitan, Huffington Post, Elle, The Guardian, ABC News, and more. Dr. Brighton is also part of the Mind Body Green Collective and a faculty member of the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine. Basically, she's got a lot going on. She's a boss. She's bringing a lot of helpful information for us today, and I'm not going to make you wait any longer. Let's get into it. You're listening to She with Jordan Lee Dooley, a personal development podcast for the everyday woman. Come invited, leave ignited. Here's your host, Jordan Lee Dooley. Hey, Dr. Brighton, welcome to She. Hi there. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. I am so just thrilled to get to share this episode with my community and all that you're going to share with us. But before we dig into all the questions that I have, I've got some juicy ones. Um, I would love if you can share a little of your background, kind of what you do and what led you to really become the authority that you are when it comes to women's health. So... Once upon a time, I was a really sick kid, actually. And um, I I had all kinds of digestive problems. And it was many, many doctor's visits and a decade of severe gastro symptoms. And I had inflammation of my stomach. I would vomit after meals. People thought I had an eating disorder. And it wasn't until H. pylori was discovered and made its way into the medical community that my doctor diagnosed me with this. And mm-hmm. so... 
that's where I really started. And after getting that diagnosis and I went through treatments of antibiotics, found out I was allergic to amoxicillin. That was a good time being covered in hives head to toe. Wow. And after all of that, I still had heartburn and reflux and it still persisted. And when I said to my doctor, you know, is there anything else I can do? And here I was just, um, you know, a teenager and they were like, you're going to be on, you know, these pills, um, these, the proton pump inhibitors, um, and that's going to be it for the rest of your life. And I asked about diet, got dismissed. I'm sure a lot of people have been there before. Um, and I was, you know, just starting to make these, uh, you know, connections that, you know, if I ate, Refined carbohydrates. So if I ate pasta with um, you know, spaghetti sauce and then I drink uh, uh, orange juice, then I'd have like really bad heartburn. And as I started to make these connections, that's really where I became interested in nutrition. And then at the same time, started the birth control pill. <laughs> so um, because I also struggled with these horrifically long, painful periods, seven plus days, writhing on the floor in pain, missing wow. school. And I was offered the pill as a cure, as the solution. And it worked. Um, it definitely worked. But I definitely had my fair share of side effects as well. And so what I do now and why this background is so important is that I really, you know, my job is to teach women how to heal their bodies. As a naturopathic physician, I don't believe that I heal my patients. I don't believe I, I don't believe in taking credit for that as a doctor, but rather my guide and my job is to guide you in healing yourself. And then I do a lot of education for medical providers and for the general public. So you can see me on Instagram or TikTok or at drbrighton.com. I'm always just trying to basically open up the gate so that we stop gatekeeping the information that women should have had far before they got their period. Mm. And so much of this is born out of the fact that like I didn't understand the body that I lived in I spent 10 years on the pill grateful for it because I am a first-generation college student that comes from a large Hispanic family and I got to become a doctor because I could control my reproductive health amazing I didn't know what it was doing to my body I didn't know why I had the this depression and it was related to the pill I didn't know why I had chronic yeast infections there was so much I didn't know about my own body and that I really struggled with and I wish someone would have said to me hey those really painful long periods let's get you eating a little more fish and like bring more broccoli into your diet. Like these, mm. these simple shifts could help. Mm. And so that is really so much of what I aspire to do is to help people get the user manual to their body. Mm. And, you know, to do that, they have to build it themselves. It's very individualized. And I really believe we shouldn't have to go to medical school to understand the body that we live in. And yet we we see so much of this information is withheld and we also see that there's really this kind of struggle between doctors and patients where doctors want to still hold on to this information and still you know be the gatekeeper and in some ways you know be the the, the god of your healthcare right where like you have to like obey them and listen to them and ask them for everything and i really think it's it's about time we put the medicine back in people's hands because the majority of healing happens outside of the doctor's office and everything that it takes to really keep you from seeing us unnecessarily, you could be doing at home. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So true. And I, I really love what you said about it's about time to put medicine back in the patient's hand because you're right. There's so many things that I feel like we just don't know <laughs> until mm-hmm. we have to know it and we have to fight to know it. And I think that's just really, I mean, I love your work for that reason. You had mentioned the pill and that's, I have a couple questions about that just because this is something that I think is such a prevalent thing in, in the world right now and in so many women's lives right now. And I would just love if you can share um, just some information about it. I mean, I'm curious if you know, from a, like a statistic standpoint, how, how many women in general use the pill and are, are women primarily using it to prevent pregnancy or are they using it kind of in your case where it was for other symptoms and other issues that are going on in their body? Yeah, this is a great question. So you know, the estimates, the most recent estimates that we have right now is there's about 100 million women worldwide who are using the pill. This doesn't include the patch, the ring, the IUD, any other form of hormonal birth control. This is just the pill. And about 11 million of them live in the United States. So this is a very widely used drug. Mm-hmm. And it is not used primarily for pregnancy prevention, which I think is a real big eye opener. There was um, a survey of why women use the pill and they found that 58% of them were using them for using it for symptom management. Mm-hmm. So much like I did, and it can work amazingly for painful periods, for heavy periods, for acne, for headaches. But the trouble is, is it's not really addressing why you have those. Mm-hmm. And where I really take issue is it's kind of a lazy drug where instead of your doctor saying, huh, why do you have these symptoms? And let's like, investigate that. They just pass you the pill, tell you it will fix everything. And then when you come back decades later, you know, wanting to come off of it, unless you want to have a baby, you're discouraged from coming off of it. Mm-hmm. And what's really troubling to me is that we know with conditions like polycystic ovarian syndrome and endometriosis, each of which are estimated to affect one in 10 women worldwide, um, you know, those already we see a delay in diagnosis. It can be a decade or more until you get the diagnosis. And part of that hindrance is that we are giving basically a band-aid solution and we're, we're punching the ball. And being like, well, we'll just fix this now. And if and when you want to become pregnant in the future, then we'll deal with your issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then at that point, someone's already so much further along in their journey where it's like this could have been addressed and maybe pre- even prevented or healed so much earlier. And the frustration that comes with that. Wow. Okay. Next question I want to ask kind of you touched on this briefly, but what are some of the issues that the pill can cause that women aren't told about? You had mentioned how it's kind of a band-aid solution. It's kind of the fix-all if there's these symptoms. And then you had also mentioned how you had some side effects and things like that. Could you share some of the side effects or issues that the pill has that a lot of women may not even know about or feel like they're well-informed about? Sure. So I think the first thing is that we don't even get told how it works. Mm. So understand this, an informed consent in your doctor's office, that is anything that happens in medicine, we have to get your consent on. And an informed consent requires that you understand the risks and the benefits of a pharmaceutical like the pill that you're going to begin. You get all of your questions answered and you understand how it's working in your body. So many of us do not get that information. The pill is something that, like so many other contraceptives, it's like, you know, it's it's very much, and it's true. This is a woman's right to have access to this. 
Um, it has uh, revolutionized women in terms of we graduate college at a higher rate. Um, we started getting paid more, although we're, we, we still we still need to be paid more. But, you know, it has had a lot of benefits. And because of like, this is a gift. So let's not question our gift mm-hmm. because it, we are always under threat by politicians who don't understand it. It's usually men who have no idea what they're talking about being like, we need to take this away. And it's like, well, so you won't. Like, there's a lot of reasons. And at the end of the day, you know, I'm not anti-birth control. I just think we need all the information. And it starts with like, how the heck does this thing even work? Mm-hmm. Well, it works at the brain level. This was a big eye-opener for me as I was like diligently popping my pill every single day. Mm-hmm. When I found out that like, I thought this was a drug for my reproductive hormones. Mm-hmm. Oh, but this drug actually works by stopping your brain from talking to your ovaries. So it operates at the brain level. Mm-hmm. And this is important because we do see mood side effects while on hormonal birth control. So we can see depression, anxiety, you know, alterations in just how you experience life. And this is something that women have complained about since the introduction of the pill and it's been dismissed by doctors since the introduction of the pill you know because everything's just like in our head mm-hmm. and yet it is in our head that's exactly where it works is at the brain level so other things we're not ta- told um you know about the pill which i actually learned about so you know i didn't tell people my background is i have a degree in chemistry i have a degree in nutrition science and i'm an axiomatic physician And when I was getting my degree in nutrition is where I learned about the drug nutrient depletion. So, and there's many drugs that deplete nutrients, but when the pill was up on the PowerPoint, I remember just looking at it and being like, wait a minute, I'm on this thing. And I had no idea it depletes magnesium, zinc, selenium, B vitamins, like folate, B12, um, vitamin C, vitamin A. There's, there's a laundry list here of nutrients that can affect And when you take into account the standard American diet, because many doctors will just say, just eat a standard diet, you'll be fine. Okay, firstly, like you don't have a nutrition education. So maybe you should just like (laughs) take a moment, go learn or default to a registered dietitian or a certified nutrition specialist or somebody else that has a whole lot more knowledge than you. Because this is something that we are taught is that the standard American diet isn't going isn't gonna to cut it. In fact, you're going to need a multivitamin or prenatal. You're going to want to be on those. If you're sexually active, you should be on a prenatal because even if you know you are trying to take the pill perfectly, odds are you're not going to be perfect. And it's only 91% effective with typical use. So this is one thing that I always focus on diet first. It's why Beyond the Pill is filled with recipes. And then we want to build your nutrient stores because I feel like we look at macronutrients, micronutrients, but we, we're missing like there's a whole lot more interaction happening between your environment and you via food. So we always want to start with diet, but we want to bring on that multivitamin or prenatal. The other things that I alluded to, so I I tell my vagina story in my book, mm-hmm. and um, it wasn't easy. To <laughs> that thing sure. went that thing went in and out so many times, and then my husband was like, "Listen." You always tell women to tell their story because we don't share our stories enough. And then we don't know what's normal and we feel like we're the only one. And he's like, how are you going to not share your story? And my story is like, I had no libido. I had chronic yeast infections so bad that I became allergic to monostat and my vagina turned like inside out. 
yeah, like I could get descriptive. It was scary though, because yeah. <laughs> and I was in college working as a group fitness instructor and I had to like go teach a spin class and oh, ride my gosh. bike to school. And I was just like, what is wrong with my vagina? <laughs> <laughs> and there was a oh, lot geez. wrong. Was, yeah. And I had to, and my doctor was like, okay, this is like the only time I'm going to tell you that like, you do need to actually like douche, not forcibly. Everybody listening, you should never douche. It's not a good idea, but it wasn't forcibly douche. It was more just like you have to irrigate. So you need to, because you've got to get that monostat out because you're having an allergic reaction, like a localized, it was oh, so wow. bad. And it's funny because even despite that, my fear of getting pregnant and my fear of those awful periods still kept me addicted to the pill mm. and I, I couldn't leave it. Now, the other thing that, you know, we're not totally, you know, told and is not forthcoming is that there can be metabolic issues that happen for some women, especially with P PCOS. So we can see insulin dysregulation. We can see hyperlipidemias, elevations of cholesterol. We can see hypertension, high blood pressure. A lot of people get afraid about the stroke and the blood clot risk. It is actually like really low because the iterations on the pill, we have lower doses of estrogen, but it's still something that can happen. We should still know about it. Heart attacks do happen um, from being on birth control. And so we should still know about it. But these are the things that like, we're not really told. I mean, we're not at least we're not really uh, you know, given all of this information. And that's just like surface level stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I was curious about this, too. Because also, thanks for sharing that story. <laughs> I feel like that normalizes things for so many. But I'm curious, because we were talking about this before, we started recording, we touched on thyroid a little bit, just because yeah. that's been something I have worked through and you shared a little bit about your story. But I'm curious, does hormonal birth control affect a woman's thyroid at all? So one thing we know for sure, and you can find this in drug prescriber handbooks, is that it will elevate thyroid binding ovulin. So hmm. If they're going to do a study on birth control and they want to know that you're for sure taking it because as it turns out, women in trials, when they get side effects, they stop taking the drug, um, but they continue in the trial. So they're like, yeah, we're going to make sure you are. And what we know happens is that it raises binding protein. So sex hormone binding globulin, that's going to gobble up your sex hormones. This is part of the reason why your testosterone will drop, which can help acne and kill your libido. And then the other thing that can happen is we can see cortisol binding globulin rises. So that's going to bind your cortisol and then thyroid binding globulin. So thyroid binding globulin is going to grab on to your free thyroid hormones. And this is important because, you know, as we were talking early on, um, your average doc and even your average OB guy isn't going to understand really how thyroid works. Your endocrinologist will, as I was sharing, my high risk OB guy, she totally gets how my thyroid works. My general OB guy, not a clue. Mm -hmm. And so this is important because what they'll, sometimes what they'll check when, uh, when you're on the pill is they'll check your total hormones. And they'll say, oh, well, they look great. They're totally fine. Well, your body doesn't use those. Those total hormones are bound to thyroid binding lobulin. And so you can look at total hormones and you can look at your free hormones and you can see that, hey, total hormones look great, but my free hormones are down. That's because they're all bound by this uh, protein. So this we know, and, and this has been, this is like what I would say is common knowledge in medicine. 
But the other issue is that as we talked about the nutrient depletions before, you know, we look at like selenium and zinc, those are needed to produce thyroid hormone and to convert it to its active form, which is T3. So TSH is what most docs will check. That's a brain hormone. It's what your brain says to your thyroid. Your thyroid responds by producing some T4 and a little bit of T3. And T4 has to get converted to T3 because that's what you use. And that is why your mood is good. Your, you poop um, regularly. So your gut motility, why your, your period comes regularly. It's involved in a lot of systems. Mm. And so that those two nutrient depletions alone, which, um, you know, people, are selenium deficient and being on a medication that depletes that can make things worse, that's going to make it so you can't activate your thyroid hormone. It also can interfere, you know, so because your liver and your gut are primary sites of converting thyroid hormone and the pill can have an effect on, and the pill specifically is what we know can have an effect on liver and gut health. If they're not optimized, they may not be converting things, uh, you know, may not be converting that T4 to T3. Hmm. And then the other issue is that with being on the pill, it is inflammatory. It's inherently inflammatory. Mm-hmm. There have been studies where um, they take a, a measurement. It's called C-reactive protein. It's a marker of inflammation. They put the woman on the pill and they test her again. And she sometimes sees a three times elevation of that protein. And that's a sign that there's inflammation. And estrogen can push your inflammatory pathways. It can also push your clotting pathways. The inflammation piece is really important because when inflammation goes up, rather than converting T4 to T3, we can take it into something called reverse T3, which I call the hibernation hormone because it makes you want to go to sleep, Mm. store fat, you can get cranky, you're like a bear in winter. Mm. So there's that issue. But even if you do get it into T3, your cells can become rigid. And we know that under inflammation, the cells are less receptive to hormones. So we see this um, with insulin resistance. That can be, you know, that's one that most people understand where like you have insulin, but you can't get it on the receptor and it won't help you get that sugar into the cell. The same thing can happen with thyroid hormone where the thyroid hormone cannot dock appropriately to the receptor. And so when you've got it, you at the cellular level, you're hypothyroid because you mm. can't use it. Mm. Wow. Okay. That's so interesting. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy because there's so many. I mean, I think when I first started learning about this too, I remember feeling like there were so many different hormones and words. And I've, I was like, wow, the thyroid can actually be a really hard thing to understand if you're not working with someone who really gets it. Because like you said, they might look at the total hormones or just the TSH and be like, oh, it's fine. But if you don't really look into the right thing, you can be having these symptoms, but being told it's fine until you really understand what you're working with. So that's really interesting. And I didn't know that the pill could affect that to that level, but it makes a lot of sense just because it's hormonally linked and it affects your brain. Something else I wanted to ask about too is do the symptoms that somebody may have, like the the side effects that may come with the pill, do they tend to just resolve if a woman stops the pill or is it something that really requires a lot of work after getting off that medication. It would be lovely if everything just got better when Mm -hmm. you came off. Some things absolutely do. So it's very individualized. And, you know, I've had patients where their mood completely tanks being on birth control and they come off of it and they will say, it's very interesting. There's this like universal kind of language where they're like, 
it's like a veil lifted or the clouds mm-hmm. parted. Um, and it's, um, it's always interesting to me the way that patients tell their stories and then to see these patterns over and over again of like, it's like I came out of a fog. Um, so yes, some of these things do get better. Some of these things still require, you know, you to pay attention and do some work to support your body. Mm-hmm. So, you know, within Beyond the Pill, I give a 30 day program and I talk about like considerations like if you started it primarily for symptoms, it's a good idea to prep your body for, you know, a good month, maybe three months before coming off of birth control, just to give yourself the best foot forward. If you started it only for pregnancy prevention, you can come off and go right into the program. And with that, I'm talking a lot about diet and lifestyle therapies that support your hormones. When you come off of birth control, your brain and your ovaries have to start talking again. Mm. But there's also other things that have gone on. Like it can affect your microbiome health. Mm. It can affect your liver detox pathways. As I said, it might be affecting your mood. It might be affecting thyroid function, adrenal function, inflammation, And I think it's a little bit silly to think you can use a medication for decades. And 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 it's not silly that a patient would think this. It's that providers will say, you'll just come right off of it. And there's nothing you need to do. And you'll be fine. Mm -hmm. Except that so many women do that. And then they have rebound of like acne coming back or new onset of acne. And they go to their provider and their provider goes through their little algorithm checkbox. Do you want to have a baby? Yes. Okay. Maybe we should do something about this. No, get right back on the pill. And so it's, I think it's something that a lot of women have really, you know, struggled with. And I have a lot of patients, but also a lot of women in our online community who write and they're like, I'm so frustrated that my doctor is like, you don't need to do anything. Don't worry. Stay on the pill. It's working. Oh, you want to come off? Like, don't, you don't need to do anything special for that. You'll be fine. Oh, you're having syndrome now? Get right back on the pill. Yeah. And this new, you know, we're seeing, you know, one of my dedications in Beyond the Pill was to the women who went before us. So that we could see there's another way, because if it wasn't for the generations that have gone before us, we really wouldn't see the effects of what has been taking place and not just the effects of birth control, but the gaslighting. When a patient goes into the doctor and says, I'm having symptoms, or when the patient comes off of the pill and says, I'm having symptoms, and the doctor's like, you don't know your body. I know your body. Let me just tell you how it is. And I think that's why we are seeing that millennials and Gen Z are rejecting birth control at a higher rate than we've seen before. They're really wanting to understand their body, work with their body. Um, And there's so much that, you know, just listen and hear so much of what women say. And a big part of it is that doctors have a lot of ego and have, you know, in a sense, been you know, very patriarchal in terms of how, and it doesn't matter the gender of the doctor, the way that they treat women and they really um, command women in what they should do and then ignore them when they're asking for help has been incredibly, incredibly problematic. Mm. I, yes, I'm just praise hands over here because you're right. It's so true. And it is so frustrating. And I think so many women feel helpless because then it's 
I mean, I remember being told multiple times, oh, like everything looks fine. And I'm thankful that I was able to work with doctors who were willing to be proactive with me and whatnot. But it took a lot of persistence and digging to get real answers when I was really trying to get an understanding of what might be going on in my body. And mm-hmm. there was there was something, it was like an instinct because I wasn't having a lot of symptoms outside of pregnancy loss, but there was like an instinctual knowledge of like, no, no, no. Cause they'll, they'll say like, oh, it happens. Right. And that's like the worst thing you could possibly say to somebody, but they say that. Yeah. And I remember my gut was like, no, something is up. Like I know something is up and I feel, I can feel it in my bones, you know? And it's like not being, not feeling like, I think the feeling of being dismissed, like you're right. It's like this gaslighting that can really happen very quickly. Yeah. It's a lot. It's very interesting. Another question that I have. I just want to say though, I'm glad that you share that because you continue to advocate for yourself. Mm -hmm. And what is really important is that we all understand that there are amazing providers out there. So maybe you don't need to see a doctor. Maybe you can see a nurse practitioner or a midwife or a physician's assistant, but there are amazing providers out there. Mm -hmm. And I think that as I go off on that little rant of like, we've got like big issues, the issues that persist in women's medicine, they persist a lot because doctors are unwilling to look at where we've got it wrong in the past and to own that, to own those mistakes and to talk about them openly and then to make commitments to do better. It's a lot of hush. It's a lot of like, we, um, you know, we don't get things wrong, like trust mm. your doctor. Um, and we do get things wrong because we're it's humans and this happens. <laughs> exactly. You know, I said that after our experience, I had a couple complications and issues and I remember just being so mad. I was like, do doctors not know what they're doing? And Matt, my husband who has worked in, in the medical field, he worked in the medical field for several years, was uh, more on the medical device side, but in, you know, operating rooms and whatnot. So he had a lot more exposure to the medical world. And he was like, Jay, not necessarily like they know more than the average person overall, but a lot, it's a practice. They're, they're, they're human. They're not machines that have every answer dialed in and they get things wrong and they have to do, you know? And I was like, Oh, you're right. It's a practice. Like they're practicing. It was just like so mind blowing for me to think that because you're right. There's this mindset of like, trust your doctor. Your doctor knows everything. That's all. That's it. That's it. Don't ask. Don't Mm -hmm. ask. Don't question. And it's like, I started asking questions and it's, I'm okay with being annoying now, you know, and finding the right, the right providers. So Like we said, you know, before I was saying to you before we started this interview is be a troublemaker, Mm -hmm. be a troublemaker, challenge your doctor, you know, your body, um, you know, your body way better than your doctor does. Mm -hmm. And ask those questions. If your doctor gets defensive, like, yeah, we've got a problem. Like, this is not going to work. But there are amazing, amazing providers out there. They do exist. And I want to just encourage everyone because there it can take two, three, 12, sometimes doctors or different providers that you go through until you find someone who one is a good personality match for you, but two is going to listen mm-hmm. and really invest in you. And that is something that to understand that there are sometimes doctors who, you know, they started off great doctors and they got really worn down by a system that forces them to see 35 to 40 patients a day. Um, and just, you know, the, 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 there's a lot that happens behind the scenes in medicine as well. That's also outside of doctor's hands, but I don't want anyone to hear me like talk very honestly, um, about the issues in medicine and then feel like we'll throw in the towel and don't, don't try to partner with someone. There are really excellent providers out there, but you might have to work to find that person 
And I say, it's much like dating. Okay. It's like dating. Don't let, don't let somebody else choose for you. Right. That's your insurance being like, Hey, let me like, let me tell you who's like best for you. Yeah. You really, you might have to court a few, few docs before you find the person who's actually a good fit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's so true. It's like that with any, I mean, you're hiring someone to be very involved in a very intimate area of your life, if you think about it, especially when it comes to women's health. And oh yeah, it, it is like dating in many ways. You interview if you're going to hire a financial planner, right? You ask questions, you find the right fit. And it should be the same way. I remember um, a friend of mine who's a midwife, when I first got pregnant the very first time, she I, I didn't really have an established OB. Like I had gone to somebody for an annual checkup, but I hadn't established care anywhere. And she said to me, she's like, hey, just because you might make an appointment with someone doesn't mean you have to stick with them throughout your whole pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So many people spend more time researching the car they're going to buy than the person who's going to deliver their child. And I was like, oh, whoa, yeah. like that is so true. And so it really shifted my mindset on you don't have to stick with the first person you meet or the first recommendation you get. Like you can be picky and you can make the right decision for you. Chapter one, Wayfair welcomes you to the neighborhood. Our hero, Titus Burgess, ambled down the stylish street of an enchanting utopia. A woman waved from a chic lounger. Welcome to the Waverhood, she said, where Wafer helps everyone create a home they love. Titus stared in awe. Bohemian Boulevard, Trendsetter Terrace, Mid-Century Circle. Titus, hmm? you're reading the Wayfair catalog. Oh, you'll love chapter two. Wayfair's fast and free shipping saves a potluck. Wayfair, every style, every home. With two little kids, I do most of my shopping online now, but it can be so hard to shop for things like clothes online because I never know if I'm getting good quality until it arrives. The game changer, upgrading to high quality, affordable pieces from Quince. Now I have luxury essentials that transition from one occasion to the next, and I stayed on budget. Quince has so many options to choose from, like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50-80% to less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. One of my favorite items from Quince is the silk pajamas I got. They are so high quality, luxury pajamas, but not at a luxury price tag. And I just feel like they don't even compare to some of the other pajamas that I have bought online or that I've bought um, just at various different stores. And like, these are incredible. <laughs> Indulge in affordable luxury by going to quince.com slash she for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash she to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash she. Thrive Market is a go-to for all your grocery and household essentials, and the convenience of getting everything online then quickly shipped to your doorstep is a huge time saver. Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories, and you can use their on-site filters to suit your lifestyle needs. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks, low-sugar alternatives, or gluten-free pantry essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with just a few clicks. And when you shop Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one for one membership matching program. You join and they give. I use Thrive Market every single month. I get our dish detergent, dish soap, and various other just basic household essentials that are low-tox and non-tox ingredients. And it is the easiest way to get all of my favorite clean items sent right to my door at an affordable price, I should add. 
Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash she for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash she. Thrivemarket.com slash she. Medicine has done a really good job at creating a narrative that you should, Mm -hmm. that you should be that good girl who listens to your doctor and you should stay with them and you can't question your doctor. Mm -hmm. Medicine has done a really good job of this. And when you talk about pregnancy and we see that obstetric violence is something that is so, so rarely talked about. Mm-hmm. We do need to talk about this a whole lot more. And it's something that as I am 33 weeks pregnant today, mm-hmm. that I people in my audience are like, can you talk more about this? And we do need to talk more about this. It's a really big problem because within the United States, our birth outcomes are getting worse mm. over the last like two decades. Mm. Our maternal and fetal deaths, they're getting worse. Mm. And they're especially worse if you are a woman of color. Mm. And this comes down to exactly what you're saying is that women will research and women will do their due diligence, but we are taught so little about our bodies. Mm. We're taught, And then, oh my God, like we aren't like, don't talk about a period, but don't talk about being pregnant or childbirth or any of those things. And I'll even hear doctors say, oh, you shouldn't share your traumatic birth stories because that's just going to scare other women. No, you definitely should because it is a good warning for other women of how to advocate and how to do things differently. Doctors will belittle you in pregnancy. They will make fun of you. They will deny you pain meds. They will force things on you. How is it the person who's going to do a speculum exam or a cervical check on you, a cervix check on you? Um, the, they will just be like, okay, I'm going to check your cervix now. Okay, I'm, I'm going to insert my fingers now. They just tell you what they're going to do and you're just supposed to take it. And then they're the same person who's going to counsel you about sexual consent and how nobody should like, you know, be doing these things to you without your consent. And it's like, and yet, you are not taking consent. And if a woman doesn't give you your consent, like you just do it anyways. Like, and so I just want, and you can tell I'm really passionate about this, yeah. but I just want to bring this up because these are red flags from providers. And we have to identify the red flags from providers. It's more than just, you know, that like they're just not listening to you. They're gaslighting you. They're not making you feel heard. They're telling you things like you're either going to take the pill or you're going to go get a second opinion. Well, you know what? I will call your bluff and I will get that second opinion. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. this is something that like you have to fiercely advocate for yourself and find that provider that works for you. Mm -hmm. Like your life depends on it because it really does. Yeah, you're right. And that's so true. They work for you. And I think what you mentioned about how we've kind of created this narrative of like, you can't question It's like if I have someone come do something in my house, you know, fix something or try to fix something. And if they don't do a good job, I'm going to leave a review or I'm going to call them and ask them to fix it. Right. And I think we don't really look at medicine the same way. A lot of the time we're just like, oh, well, they know Mm -hmm. they're the expert. So I'm just going to shut up. And it's like, but if you know they're not doing it right, like they're working for you and you have full permission to fire them, to ask hard questions, to get a second opinion or all of the above. And so I love that you share that just so passionately because I do think we need the courage to, I mean, that's a huge, like what I was sharing with you earlier. It's a huge, if anything good has come out of the hard experiences I've had with 
pregnancy loss and everything else. It's just like a fierce commitment to almost being that warning for other women. Like, hey, let's be a little proactive here in a system that tells us not to be, you know, and just says to wing it. And we we can actually take our health into our own hands. You know, obviously, there's so many things out of our control, but we can be proactive and we should be and we should be willing to advocate. So I am thankful that you shared that. Um, I have a couple other questions regarding the pill and just hormones in general when it comes to healing before we wrap up. The first would be, and I know this is something a lot of people are wondering, maybe someone who's considering getting on the pill or who's, you know, on the pill or struggling with infertility or trying to get pregnant or anything else. Do you have any information on how or if the pill can affect fertility in the future after coming off of it? Is is there any correlation? Is there not? I'm curious just because of how much you shared about hormones and how it can affect gut and everything else, micronutrients. Is there a link there? Can it have an effect after coming off of it? This is one of the biggest questions, and it's actually one of the biggest deterrents to starting birth control, is that concern that it'll affect my future fertility. So but here's what we understand right now. We're putting women on the pill and other forms of birth control in order to manage their symptoms primarily, or maybe their pregnancy prevention as well. If it's masking something like endometriosis, polycystic ovarian syndrome, hypothyroidism, those things are not addressed when you come off you will struggle with infertility in in most of these cases, which is an easy way for women to then look at and say, well, the thing that I did was I took the pill. So it must be the pill that caused my infertility. When really what it was is that the pill masked every sign and symptom your body was giving you of saying we need to work on these underlying issues so that we can preserve our future fertility. So that is one thing is that, Sometimes there are fertility issues after birth control because of these underlying conditions. When it comes to, you know, can the pill uh, just cause infertility? We don't have any evidence of that. So we don't have any studies to say that, like, yes, this will, in fact, cause infertility. There are lots of anecdotal stories out there. And I do think we need a lot more research because when enough women are saying things, I think it's it's time that we investigate a little bit further. And you know, there's some people who believe we have plenty of evidence on birth control, but we can't even tell you exactly why and who will have mood issues, even though those have been reported since the initial trials that began in the 1950s. So we don't have a lot of research in women's medicine like we should. And definitely the birth control pill. Why? Why? Why are we going to invest in that when like, where's the money going to come from when it's like this great thing? Like, And so many researchers. So I talk with researchers in women's health. And what's interesting that they say to me is that we can't touch the pill because if we are seen as somebody who, you know, is questioning the pill or vilifying the pill or like there's always like some like stigma associated with like just having an honest conversation about it then we might not get future grants or this could like hurt our career. So there's a lot of issues in terms of getting this data. So the other thing is that we do know there can be a delay to conception. So with some women uh, with the pill, it can take them three to six months before they really start ovulating regularly, establish uh, regular menstruation. So that can impact their fertility. This certainly happened to me when I came off the pill and I developed post-birth control syndrome, I had cystic acne, I lost my period, my doctor was like, oh, you have PCOS, and 
I'm like, no, I've never had irregular periods before. I was told I was, it was gaslighting and mm-hmm. it's finest. No, you're, you're misremembering your period. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, look, I come from a large, like a large Hispanic family. No one in my family has PCOS. Nobody struggles with infertility. Everybody gets their periods regularly. Everybody has three plus children. Like, mm-hmm. why is it that I suddenly now have no period? Mm-hmm. And it was taken, you know, and that's where I leveraged my nutrition background. A lot of the things that you find in Beyond the Pill is when I employed to get my period back. Would it have come back, you know, spontaneously? you know, several months later, if I did nothing, possibly, but I was freaked out. And I was like, no, okay, now I miss my period. Now I want it back. Like what's going on here? So, you know, one particular form of birth control called the Depo Rivera shot, we will usually just call it the Depo shot. That we can see sometimes an 18 month delay um, until you start ovulating again. Once, so you get that shot wears off about like three months later, but it can be a good 18 months from that shot that you actually resume ovulating. Now, why is this important? Because what do most of us like do with taking the pill? We delay pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And if you are someone who's like, you know, you're getting you doing life okay whatever you're doing with your life like you're just like i am not time for a baby and let's say that you decide that like at 38 that's when i'm going to come off of the you know this this form of hormonal birth control and that's when i want to try for having a baby well we already know that as we age our eggs are getting spent we've got environmental toxin exposure we've got free radical exposure so there's a lot of like things other than birth control that can be affecting your egg quality. Um, and yet you're delaying things, delaying things. It's not preserving your fertility. And so when you come off, now we've got an issue uh, with getting pregnant and it can seem a lot like it's birth control, but it may be that like it was birth control delaying things and then everything else going on in your environment. Mm-hmm. I will say that the pill does deplete CoQ10. Mm-hmm. CoQ10 is super, super important and we, we make it, but it declines as we age. And anybody who's gone through fertility protocols, um, they've probably been recommended CoQ10 because it's so important for egg quality, mitochondrial health, and that is being depleted by the pill. And so that's another consideration is that are these nutrients, you're being, you know, you're depleting these nutrients. They do protect your eggs. And then we come off the pill at a later stage in life. Um, so there's a lot of ways that the infertility birth control connection can be made, but there's so many variables that come into play with it. At this point, we cannot say that birth control is the cause of infertility. Hmm. Super interesting. It makes a lot of sense. Thank you for sharing that. That clarifies a lot of things, I think. Okay, just a couple more questions. One being we talked a little bit about coming off of birth control. So for someone who may be considering coming off birth control or is wondering, how can we balance hormones after the pill? Do you have any helpful tips for getting hormones back in balance after birth control and avoiding those post birth control symptoms? So in Beyond the Pill, I give you a whole quiz because it's a very much like choose your own adventure Mm -hmm. kind of book because it's very individualized. And I encourage you to like individualize the protocols yourself. So someone will come off of birth control. They're going to have issues with estrogen excess. They they might have thyroid issues. They might have cortisol issues. And so we really have to figure out 
Who's the main troublemaker? Understanding that all of your hormones work together. So as we were talking about thyroid before, they all work together. It's a beautiful symphony until it's not. And if one instrument is out of tune, they're all going to start to shift and try to match what that out of tune instrument. Mm -hmm. So with that, what what can you do though? Like, so let's just say like right now you're like, I'm not going to buy this book. I just need some help right now. Okay. So here's some things that you can do. So number one is uh, we're always going to start with diet and lifestyle um, before I jump to any supplements. And number one is Let's get you eating regular meals that may seem like, oh, yeah, well, that's like so simple. That's going to help stabilize your blood sugar. So eating regular meals, um, not, you know, not doing the like, oh, like, you know, I'm going to wake up and, um, you know, just drink like four cups of coffee and then eat a bagel and, uh, you know, <laughs> and then crash in the mm-hmm. afternoon. Mm-hmm. We want to have fat and protein fiber at, at every single meal. And that's going to help with optimizing our blood sugar. Your adrenal glands are the foundation of your hormonal health. So if your adrenal glands and your insulin are happy, then that's going to make it so much easier. So I want people to think about a pyramid at the very base of the pyramid. We have the adrenals and we have insulin. So those adrenal hormones and insulin. Above that, we have thyroid hormones. And at the very tippy top, we have sex hormones. And it's the sex hormone ones that we're going to notice and are going to drive us wild because they're supposed to be cyclical. Maybe they're not right now because of you're coming off or they are cyclically making you feel like you're out of control in your body. Mm-hmm. And while we want to jump there and we want to work there, we want to make sure we have that foundation in place. So those regular meals are going to help. Now, within those meals, we can include things like, so if you are uh, a meat eater, eating cold water fish, salmon, sardines, uh, anchovies, these the smaller on the food chain that are higher in omega-3 fatty acids, those are going to help support you. But they also have selenium and iodine. Now we're going to start supporting your thyroid hormone. We also want to bring, so when I say fiber, we can bring in, you know, lots of vegetables. Always like, can we all just get like six to nine servings a day? That sounds like a lot. I say, you know, you just, you just start with one extra serving a week and work your way up. But focusing on getting cruciferous vegetables, so broccoli, Brussels sprouts, kale, cauliflower, getting those like three to five times a week, getting a serving of those as part of your fiber. That's going to help with estrogen detoxification through the liver. So that's going to be really beneficial for your uh, getting your estrogen out. We also have to drink water and our bowels need to be healthy, which fiber can help with that as well, because we're going to excrete our estrogen through our kidneys and through our bowels as well. Now, as I was talking about earlier, birth control can deplete, the pill can deplete specific nutrients. And one of those is B6. B6 is going to help us with our hormones overall, but it's going to support that progesterone as well. So we want to be looking at bringing in things like chickpeas, whole grains can be great sources. Avocados can be um, also great source. They're going to give you magnesium as well. So, and they're going to be a healthy fat. So this is some of like how you can structure your diet to start optimizing your hormones. And if you want help with that right now, you can go to drbrighton.com slash hormone kit. And that's going to be our hormone balancing starter guide. That's going to have a meal plan and recipes in it. It is gluten-free and dairy-free so that we're inclusive in that way so that people don't feel like you've got celiac disease or lactose intolerance. We've got you on that. 
And so that's where like where we want to start with diet. In terms of lifestyle, we want to look at like very simple practices to start to employ because we want to keep your stress low. Mm -hmm. And if I tell you do all of these things, you're going to be like, I I will do all these things for a week and now I'm totally stressed out and it's not working for me. So Mm -hmm. Getting regular sleep, we are very much affected by our dark light cycle, so our circadian rhythm that is involved in all of your hormones. We think about melatonin, namely, which is a great antioxidant, but that circadian rhythm is going to be involved in that cortisol as well, which again is going to hit that whole pyramid. So getting to bed at a reasonable hour, avoiding screens or wearing some blue light blocking glasses two hours before bed, making sure that you can be in bed for a good eight hours. You might, someone might need more. There's no problem with sleeping like nine to 10 hours if you wake feeling rested. Very few people can get by on less than seven. We all think as teenagers and um, 20 somethings that we are invincible. And we're the people, we're the special people who can do five to six hours. Then we hit our thirties and we're like, why do I feel like crap? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, why yeah. are my hormones such a mess? <laughs> oh, yeah, because you were not special. I am sorry. I hate to break it to you. <laughs> I'm like, you were not that person. Um, so, you know, with that, that may seem like, oh, I roll, that's like so simple to do. But yet I counsel so many patients on their sleep and getting optimal sleep. And it makes such a tremendous impact mm. on their hormones. Mm. And then, so, you know, one of some of the things that I've covered here, we want to replenish nutrient stores. We want to support our gut health. We want to support our hormones, our estrogen detoxification. We want to get our stress down. We want to get inflammation down. And so, you know, all of these things, you might want to go back and listen to them. They're actually pretty simple to do and they can be highly beneficial, not in just coming off of birth control, but optimizing your hormones altogether. Mm. Yeah. So good. I, so many of these things I've done over the last year and I just will advocate for saying it's all, it all works um, for anyone who's listening. Like, whoa, that sounds like a lot of work. Truly it's, it's life-giving when you begin to see the effects of starting with these disciplines and even just starting small and saying, okay, I'm going to focus on how I'm eating first. Because I think it, I don't know if you felt this way, but when I started to make these changes in my own life, I remember at first feeling like, oh my gosh, I have to regulate my sleep and get these routines and fix how I'm eating and do all this. And it can feel like too much. And then you just don't do anything. So if you're listening and that's overwhelming, just start with one of them. Say, I'm going to make it my goal. You know, it's free to get eight hours of sleep every night. You know, if you can try as as much as possible. I know that can be difficult with a certain light with certain lifestyles, but you know, like babies. Right. Exactly. It's like, okay, let's be realistic. But reality wise, you know, in general, if you have the ability, do what's, you know, my my whole slogan that I always talk about, and you guys are used to me hearing saying it is incremental, implementable, imperfect action. So what's something small mm-hmm. that you can take action on that's implementable with your current life right now and do it imperfectly, but just make the effort one small step at a time. So I love that you shared those things. Those have been really pivotal for me and in balancing hormones after pregnancy loss and all of that. And so I'm here for it. I agree. I can be a case study and say it works. Um, Dr. Brighton, where can everyone learn more about you if they want to just learn more from you, learn more about you, check out your classes, your resources, where can they find all of that? The main place you can find me is at drbrighton.com, D-R-B-R-I-G-H-T-E-N.com. You can also find me on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. I get around. (laughs) You can can check me out those places as well. And I also want to say that like, I, I love what you just said because I think that there has been there's such a movement in in the wellness culture where like you have to do things perfectly. Mm -hmm. And I always laugh. I actually have a friend. He's he's 20 something. So we'll just like and I'm 40. Okay, so 
like it's one of those like bless him moments because I was there at 20 something as well like no kids like no like none of like all this other stuff that you build Mm -hmm. up through life right Mm -hmm. and he's like I do my sauna every morning I do this I do and he goes through like all of these things and I'm just like dude I'm so tired just watching (laughs) this right now and there is like such this movement towards perfection Mm -hmm. and addition and addition and addition and the wellness culture. And we don't actually need that. And it is something that like, when I look at things, I look at like, what can we add that is going to be beneficial that pushes something else out right mm-hmm. so, but without making you feel like so when it comes to food I'm like let's make this food so delicious that you don't even notice that sugar mm-hmm. has just kind of fallen away because mm-hmm. you can't you can't even fit it on your plate right now because mm-hmm. you've got all this delicious food like and um but I just think what you said is just so important I really encourage everyone to hook into that is it doesn't have to be perfect. Mm -hmm. Life will never be perfect. And just as you master something, life will come up with like a pandemic. Mm -hmm. And then you'll be like, what the hell? (laughs) Like, what is going on now? But it's those little tiny actions that form habits. And once you master that and you've got that as part of your team, then you can think about taking something else on, but maybe you don't need to, Mm -hmm. but maybe you're like, I'm feeling better and I'm good with this. And so I just really, um, everybody should, should definitely like that, that advice that you just handed is just some really, really solid advice. And I don't think, I think perfection is our fastest way to the grave, Mm -hmm. trying to achieve perfection. Mm -hmm. And I think that where so many, uh, you know, great providers and people in like the holistic and wellness community fail is that they just give people this laundry list and they mm-hmm. are like, if you want to be an amazing human, you have to do all the mm-hmm. things. And really, you know what you have to do? You have to ask does this work for me? Is this true for me? Does this really help me? And you answer that honestly for yourself and you take what you need and you leave what you don't. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. And you're right. I mean, perfection can't, when you, when you feel like you've got to do all the things, you'll very quickly start doing none of the things. And it'd be better to just do a couple things that you know are actually working for you and beneficial. And I actually had uh, someone in my life share this with me in a different context, but I think it applies here too. They said, Something that starts as a discipline will eventually become a delight and then it'll become a desire. So if you think about it, like if you start with a discipline of, okay, you know what? I'm going to try to incorporate more fiber into my daily meals. Okay, great. At first you might be like, gosh, this is a lot of dang lettuce and I don't really like it and I'd rather have a burger every time, whatever. But over time, if you stick with it for a couple of weeks and say that's one small incremental change I'm going to make. You may notice after two or three weeks that you're actually feeling better and you're more regular or, you, you know, your skin's feeling better or looking better. And that might, mm-hmm. that discipline you started with may begin to become something that you actually delight. You're like, actually, I'm kind of liking this. I'm learning how to make salads I actually like. I'm learning how to make these meals I actually like. And eventually it may actually become something you desire more than what you used to eat. And so it just, mm-hmm. it's just that process of like all of this change takes time, but those small steps can be huge. So I'm really thankful that you shared that. Well, thank you so much for everything that you've shared. This has been so informative and so helpful. I know this is just going to be so valuable. You guys go check out all the resources she has. I have shamelessly stalked half of her Instagram videos by now. So <laughs> be sure you know, to what's do funny that. about my Instagram is that whenever people are like, <clears throat> they'll come on and they'll say, why do you never talk about low testosterone? Why do you never talk about, and they'll say something and I'm like, 
okay, so like in 2018, I like up my Instagram game and I've been posting almost every single day since then. Have you scrolled through everything? Yeah, right. like, and they always come back and they're like, oh my God, like there's so much here. It I'm is like, like an yeah. archive of so much value. It's amazing. You do a great job and just add so much value and, and information to the world that, but you put it in such like bite-sized digestible ways. So it's very very easy to understand. You guys, be sure to go check it out. And Dr. Brighton, thank you again. It's been such a joy. It's such an honor to get to chat with you. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. This has been such a great and enjoyable conversation. And for everyone listening, this is my last podcast before my maternity leave. And I have to say, I am just so I'm like delighted that this this was like the last one before I go have a baby. I am like, equally as so glad. I'm glad I caught you. <laughs> I'd love to hear from you. It makes me so happy to see you tuning into this show. So if you're on Instagram, let me know what your favorite part of the show was by taking a screenshot of the episode you've tuned into and share it on your story. Tag me at Jordan Lee Dooley and tell me what your favorite quote or takeaway from today's show was so that I can see what's helping you and even feature what you share. This keeps me inspired and encouraged to keep creating new content And it's a great way to share something that your friends might love too. I can't wait to see you in Instagram world, my friend. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about the She Podcast or to get involved in Jordan's growing community, visit jordanleedooley.com. Thanks for joining in today. Until next time, remain committed to intentional choices that refine your heart, faith, health, and work because your story is much too important to settle for anything less. Chapter 1. Wayfair welcomes you to the Waberhood. Our hero, Titus Burgess, ambled down the stylish street of an enchanting utopia. A woman waved from a chic lounger. Welcome to the Waberhood, she said, where Wayfair helps everyone create a home they love. Titus stared in awe. Bohemian Boulevard, Trendsetter Terrace, Mid-Century Circle. Titus, hmm? you're reading the Wayfair catalog. Oh, you'll love Chapter 2. Wayfair's fast and free shipping saves a potluck. Wayfair, every style, every home.